0: This is Lent on Table Radio. Today's reflection was originally given on Sunday, March twenty seventh, by Andy Withrow. My soul takes. Today's reading comes from Matthew 16, verses 24 through 28. And Jesus told his disciples. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit anyone if they gain the whole world and forfeit their soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what they have done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So this is part of a larger episode that we've been tracking through in this Lent series. Jesus has just... A couple paragraphs earlier been identified as Messiah by Peter. It was God's anointed, God's chosen one. And people expected Messiah to restore God's people to their rightful place and to oust the oppressors and occupiers of their land. So, that's the Jewish people at that time, and Rome were the occupiers. But Jesus starts pointing to a prophetic stream from the Old Testament, their Bible, that highlighted another, a different aspect of the messianic vocation, suffering and death, and then resurrection. This is hard to accept. It's not even putting it the right way. It was just like it didn't compute. (laughs) Peter finds himself opposing Jesus' mission and is told to get back where he belongs, behind Jesus. Peter finds himself trying to lead Jesus, convert him to Peter's own theology. So, what's going on in this passage? Disciples are followers of Jesus. They're not a subset of followers. Jesus is inviting, not forcing says, if anyone would come after me, he's inviting disciples to follow him in his path that leads towards this suffering and death and then resurrection, new life. Now denying oneself here is setting aside one's own preferences and loyalty to and trust in Jesus. his better way. Picking up one's cross is an active identification of and walking through suffering. Not for suffering's sake, but for the sake of being with Jesus whom we follow. This was his path. And for the sake of following the one who redeems the world by his cross and resurrection. that We participate in that same shape of life. And it's important to note that A cross was an obscene topic at this time. We've domesticated. Now it's a comfortable symbol of Christian life. Jesus hearers would have easy reason to be offended by this kind of talk. It's taking one of, if not the most obscene and offending instrument of the empire, it's abuse and oppression and intimidation, and actively taking it upon oneself, like a volunteering for the electric chair. So Next, we're given a reason for this radical and counterintuitive trust. It's in the giving we receive. It's in the pardoning that we are pardoned. And it's in the dying that we receive life. This is the way of God's kingdom. Now, there's a temptation here to see the outcomes Jesus lists as either a far off future judgment reality or a way of experiencing life in the here and now. But we know experientially that verse 26 is a reality baked into the creation. That's where he says, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world? and forfeits his soul. We can absolutely lose our souls in the here and now by trying to gain the whole world. That's a familiar theme, I think, to a lot of us. We see that in movies and stories all the time. But Jesus also makes clear that there is a final future element to this. Jesus himself will come to set things right, And it actually matters which path you've chosen. It actually matters if you've trusted him with your life. Finally, Jesus ends with a cryptic, at least to us, statement about how some standing in his presence will see Jesus coming in his kingdom. It's kind of this glory, this vindication that they'll see it before they die. Now, to some degree, this has baffled the church throughout history, but there are a number of ways to understand what Jesus is pointing to here. Because in the very next episode, we're going to have what's called the transfiguration. Jesus is about to take some of his disciples, some who are standing there, up a mountain, and he's going to be revealed in glory. There's going to be a cloud and a voice from heaven. It's this this theophany, this intervention of God. His clothes turn white in, in some of the accounts of this episode. Elijah and Moses, these dead prophets from from a long time before, show up, and it's just this amazing reveal. So, that's kind of the most obvious, like it literally happens next. Another option is the resurrection itself, at the end of the story, Matthew 28. Jesus appears to 11, some that is, of the disciples, and tells them he's received all authority in heaven and on earth. That's a good candidate for what Jesus is talking about here. And finally, we've got the celebration at Pentecost, when the spirit that Jesus had promised comes upon the disciples and they are empowered to proclaim the kingdom to all nations. Not just empowered, but the spirit itself symbolizes and, and, and not just symbolize, but enacts the very presence of God with his people. Now, out of these options, the first two have the advantage of being contained within Matthew's story and thematic focus. And maybe both of those are in view here. They both contain the coming of God's kingdom in some significant way. Either way, Jesus' kingdom, authority, and power are breaking in ahead of the very end to empower disciples, and to reveal Jesus' glory, even in the here and now. That's my brief reflection on Matthew, this little episode in Matthew 16. I'm going to leave you with three questions to think about. One, go back and read this passage. It's Matthew 16, 24 through 28. It's a challenging paragraph. How do you hear it? How does, does it excite? Does it inspire Does it bring fear and anxiety? Think through those things and reflect on that. Second, the good news of this text is at least in two parts. One, Jesus is coming again to make all things right. And two, the invitation for all the self-denial and cross-carrying is to be with Jesus. Follow me, he says. It's not just to show how good you are at self-control or bearing under pain and pressure it's to actually be with Jesus. So, how can we use that invitation to help us with the harder parts we're called to do as disciples? What's behind that promise of being with Jesus as you understand it? And is it worth it? Third question, in what ways have you seen Jesus coming in his kingdom? Or to put it another way, have you seen Jesus show up in your own life that reveals his goodness and his power. God, thank you for the gift of your words to us, that they reveal and they transform us. Pray that you would bless our time in your words. And thank you uh, that you love us and that you call us to follow you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to Table Radio, an extension of the Table Church, Victoria, B.C. Music for this episode provided by Richard Charter. For more information, go to richardchartermusic.com. For more information on the Table community, go to tablechurch.ca.